Friends, welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast. This is the only podcast that truly matters to small business. My name is Tim Fulton. I'm the founder and chief evangelist for Small Business Matters. I'm your host for this podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Fulton, the director of marketing for Small Business Matters. Taylor, hello. Hello. Good to be here. Yep. Good to have you with us. And Taylor, I'm really excited about our, our guest today, Jeff Cunningham. I've had the opportunity of knowing Jeff for quite a while, and he, he's a, a terrific attorney here in Atlanta, and I think we're going to learn a lot uh, from this podcast. Are you ready? I'm ready. Looking forward to it. Let's do it. So, Jeff, you're with us. Good evening. Welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Taylor. Thank you both for having me. Well, I'd like to do a, just a brief introduction of, of Jeff for our listeners. Uh, Jeff Cunningham, is a, he's a deal lawyer and an outside general counsel. I've had the pleasure of knowing Jeff now for over 10 years. He's been an attorney for over 20 years. He's currently with Parker, Poe, Adams, and Bernstein. He's a partner with that firm. Prior to that, he was with Miller & Martin here in Atlanta. And then I think when I first met Jeff, he was, was with Seafarth Shaw. Taylor, as I mentioned, Jeff has been an attorney for 20 years, primarily working with small, medium-sized companies. He got his undergraduate degree at Vanderbilt University, and then he got his MBA and also his JD, his degree in law, from Georgia State University. He's got way too much education for many of our listeners, I'm, I'm afraid of. He's also a, he's a Panther, and he's a Commodore. So, Jeff, welcome again to the Small Business Matters podcast. The way we start off each of our podcasts, Jeff, is with the following question. What is it that you do that matters to small business? That is a fantastic question, Tim. And, and uh, I've listened to your podcast every single time it's aired. Uh, and I love this question. So what I do that matters to small businesses, I help small businesses focus on the things that make them money and outsource to me or to uh, the, the, the right end user, all the things that support that effort that, you know, the number of businesses that have gone into business for the purpose of complying with things or registering for things or filing things is exactly zero. Everybody that ever went into business, went into business to do something. And I help them to focus on doing that and not get in the weeds of compliance and registration and thinking about things that are not uh, part of their core competency. So Jeff, tell us a little bit about, I know you, you work with different types of businesses. What are some of the common challenges that you see today relevant to your work? Taylor, that's an excellent question. So every small business needs cash, they need good help, and they need good systems and processes. So I work with them on a strategic level as well as a legal level to make sure that they have uh, available cash to support the, the operation, to have good resources for finding the help that they need and systems for uh, keeping those people employed and compliant with all the various laws that, you know, that are important to business owners, uh, and then help them think through strategically their systems and processes uh, to make sure that their business flows the way that it should. Jeff, I know that 
you got started prior to, to your, your, your career in the law. I, I believe one of your first jobs was working for Kroger. Is that correct? That's entirely correct, Tim. And, and you were, I think you were actually a, a store manager with Kroger and then, and then began your career in law. I'm wondering, in those days at Kroger, what did you learn for, in terms of business that maybe comes in handy today as an attorney? Well, my path to, you know, to my career has not been traditional for sure. Um, you know, at, at 21 and 22 and three and four and five, I was a grocery store manager for Kroger where I had 100% P&L responsibility for a $24 million business with 180 employees, 13 different departments, three unions, and 36,000 stockkeeping units. And to make matters worse, everything that entered my store was rotting from the moment it came in to the moment I could push it out the door in somebody's cart. So uh, I really learned very quickly to be on my toes and to and that and that speed matters and quality matters. Uh, you know, we had very thin margins, so uh, you know, avoiding mistakes and the importance of systems and processes and really good people that you can rely on. Those were the things that that uh, I learned from working with Kroger, and those are the things that I think help me relate best to my small business clients now. So, Jeff, tell us our listeners a little bit about the the clients that you work with, um, and and really some of the uh, common traits of the audience that you serve. So, a hundred percent of my clients are uh, entrepreneurs. They are people that have a uh, that fire in their belly to go do something that's going to make the world better, or at least make them money by doing something better than the next guy. Uh, I don't get hired by attorneys ever. I you know I get hired by business owners, and uh, my the, you know my clients are the are people that that appreciate the ability to. Uh, call an attorney who understands their business and to be able to have a conversation that starts with, I'm about to do something that sounds really stupid. Can you help me help talk me out of it? Or I really want to do this, but I don't know how to do it. Can you help me think through it? Or I'm about to fire this guy. Am I making a mistake? Or I'm about to hire this guy. Am I making a mistake? So, uh, you know, my clients are people who wear the weight of the world on their shoulders every single day. They put on a brave face for their customers to give their customers faith that the business is going to be there the next day and they are a good source of supply. And they put on a brave face for their employees so that their employees know that the business is stable and they will have a job tomorrow and they can show up for work. And they put on a brave face for their financing sources, their banks and lenders so that their lenders will lend to them and and have faith that the business is going to be there and be able to pay its bills. And then they go home and they put on a brave face to their families because they have, you know, they have taken on the the burden of providing for their families and they want to present to their families the face that everything's going to be okay, you're going to get to go to college, we're going to go on vacation, we're going to retire one day. It's all fine. And these people are alone at the top of the mountain, and I provide for them a place that's a safe haven to express what they're really concerned about, and 
I help them feel good about the decisions that they're making and then make good decisions. Jeff, I want to build on that if, if I may, because my experience with, with small business owners as it relates to their attorneys is, is oftentimes it's a, it's a contentious relationship. They, they go out of their way not to call their attorney. They're afraid to call their attorney. Uh, they, in some cases, they believe they can't afford to call their attorney. And yet you've gone in a very different direction in, in how you work with your clients. Talk more about that, your role with your clients. What do you, how do you, what do you see there? Uh, thanks, Tim. And, and I, you know, I've spent a long time on this. And you know, about seven or eight years ago, I literally woke up in the middle of the night with an idea. And I got my daughter's colored pencil set and drawing pad. And I sketched out the PowerPoints that I've been dreaming about because I'm that kind of a nerd. And I wanted to capture it before it before it evaporated. But what I realized was exactly what you're saying. Small businesses view legal advice as a cost. And it doesn't have to be. Most small businesses, many small businesses, do not have a, a line item for legal expense on their budget. So any dollar that they ever spend on an attorney is a surprise and is a cost that they didn't have planned for. So I decided to develop a program that would instill trust in businesses that don't necessarily have trust with attorneys. And in the beginning of any kind of relationship, trust is hard to come by. So I decided that predictability of legal spend is a proxy for trust. Hmm. So knowing what you've observed, you know, that people have a reluctance to call their attorney, I tried to build a safe space to encourage them to call with more questions than they otherwise would. Call about everything. And, you know, that looks like a comparatively small fixed monthly retainer or fixed monthly access fee that doesn't give them a certain number of hours of legal time. It gives them an unlimited buffet of you know, all you can eat legal advice. And, you know, they call and they, and they ask the questions that we talked about. You know, I'm thinking about doing this. Is it, is it crazy? I'm thinking about firing someone. You know, is that a bad idea? I'm, I want to do this, but I don't know how to do it. Help me think through it. And those are the kinds of questions that people typically don't call their attorney about. But my program encourages them to do that because they're not getting billed by the hour. There's no meter running. And they, and we have these discussions where we do all of the issue spotting and all of the project scoping under this no additional cost umbrella. And then out of that, having been through the process with, with a fulsome uh, exchange of information, I'm in a very good position to give them a, a, a budget that's very reliable and that I'm 100% willing to stand behind for almost anything that we come up with. So this program instills predictability and efficiency in a legal relationship that is fraught with unpredictability and inefficiency. And Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, that, that business model from the attorney's side seems pretty unique uh, out in the marketplace. So I'm curious, what made you confident to go out and do that, knowing that there might be some risks of you're spending a lot more time with one customer than, than they're paying for, perhaps. Taylor, the answer is that it's just the right thing to do. 
you know, I feel passionate about about helping people achieve their goals. And I'm not really concerned with capturing every minute and every dollar that, you know, that that I can. You know, I in my early in my career, I measured myself in the way that attorneys measure themselves, you know, billable hours, dollars billed, the number of zeros on a transaction closing statement. And along the way, I began to notice some other things. I began to notice that the businesses that I work for employ about 30,000 people. So if those people are all the breadwinners for their family, and they're all the breadwinners for a family of four, then that's 120,000 breakfasts, 120,000 lunches, and 120,000 dinners every single day. You know, And when I think about that, I get pretty emotional about it. That's much more motivating to me than the number of zeros on a closing statement. You know, the things that I help people do help, uh, you know, send their kids to college. They help them retire appropriately. They help them put something into the world that otherwise wouldn't be there. And that's just more important. That's a long-winded answer to your question. I'm sorry. Taylor, what's interesting when I listen to Jeff, what, what, what I'm hearing is that for his clients, He's more of an architect than a firefighter. You know, the firefighter is reacting, reacting, putting out fires. The architect is helping design plans, design strategies. And that's what I'm hearing that Jeff, he just takes a very different role with his clients. So, Jeff, I want to go to another question. And I know you deal with a lot of different legal issues with your clients. What are some of the mistakes that you see small business owners make that that causes them to want to call an attorney, that gets them in in legal hot water? What are some of those mistakes you see? That's a great question. Uh, I would say trying to play attorney and trying to not ask questions is probably the biggest mistake. And that's that's a bit of a cop-out of an answer because that covers everything. But if you think about, I'll say that that the other subject matter experts that I work with most frequently are employment lawyers and intellectual property lawyers and general commercial litigation lawyers. People don't make real estate mistakes all that much. That's kind of more transactional and is more efficient. But there are a lot of rules around working with people. And that's where people make mistakes is that they assume that you know the way that you work with people is the same from state to state from business to business, and, and that's that's just not the case. So Jeff, tell us a little bit more uh, about the marketing that goes behind your business. So I really appreciate kind of the, the position you've taken that it's the right thing to do, that these are people. Does that come out in, in your marketing or your communications? And, and how, does, how, do your, uh, how does that resonate within your audience? That's a great question. I'm probably one of the worst marketers in the world. <laughs> Um, and I will, I'll, I'll freely admit that, you know, uh, people don't hire law firms, they hire attorneys. So it's a very, uh, hand to hand kind of, uh, kind of an approach. And, you know, I'm not fantastic at sales. I'm not fantastic at the elevator pitch. So what I do is I try to, uh, I try to write things that are interesting to me and interesting to business generally. And hope that that resonates with with an audience that reads it. And I also try to create 
a fireside around which like-minded people can gather. You know, I have for years done a, well, for years prior to COVID, done a series of quarterly breakfast presentations that are really quite different than the way that attorneys typically do things. Instead of putting three lawyers at a table talking law at, at an audience that's desperately trying to stay awake, I tend to put uh, you know, one lawyer and a banker and an investment banker and an insurance person all on a panel together to talk about something that's of common interest to all of them. And then I position myself as the as the uh, the MC or the moderator to just bask in the reflected glow of people who know what they're talking about. And that's pretty typical of my practice, frankly. And Taylor, I've attended a number of these events that Jeff hosts, and, and they're really good because he's he's artful in terms of the people that he puts together and the, and the topics that come out and the takeaways that, that come out of, of the events. Jeff, I want to switch gears. We're coming out of what has been a very interesting year, a COVID year. We're, we're celebrating, I hate to use the word celebrating, and it's been a year since COVID really hit. And, and hit small businesses particularly. What have you experienced over the last year with your clients in, in terms of how they've dealt with COVID, particularly from a, maybe from a legal point of view and a strategic point of view? What have you seen? What have you noticed? What have you found interesting in the last year? I would say that my impression of COVID is that it's one of winners and losers. You know, uh, the businesses that have responded well strategically organizationally, structurally, are coming out of a COVID environment stronger. And you know they, they have stopped doing some things that didn't make sense, and they've added some things that make more sense. And they're really much more fundamentally sound businesses than they were going in. And the ones that have not responded as well, the ones that took the PPP money and just paid people to stay at home, Instead of paying people to actually work on improving the business internally, even if they weren't necessarily customer-facing efforts, the ones that have just uh, squandered is a harsh word, but the ones that have not used this time strategically are, are much worse off for the wear. I'm fortunate to work with a number of clients and perhaps you know, perhaps I've had some ability to influence a number of clients who have really come out of this uh, this exercise much stronger. Um, you know, they've they've really forced themselves to focus on business operations and fundamentals, blocking and tackling. And uh, you know, they're they're going to come out of 2021 very profitable. Hmm. It's interesting. Winners and losers this past year and. The idea that, that COVID has certainly discriminated in terms of its impact on, on different businesses. Absolutely. Uh, a few minutes ago, you mentioned about some of the, the marketing that you do, which I think uh, really brings us to, to peer groups and your ability to, to leverage networks. Tell us a little bit about your, your peer group experience and, and how you used it both professionally. Uh, so I've been, in a, I've been in a Vistage group for uh, a long time. Uh, about 10 years. And I found that personally to be fundamentally, uh, you know, transformative. Um, you know, I, I, in the beginning of my Vistage experience, I was probably 
a little bit closed off, a little bit reserved, a little bit reluctant to let the group see the things that were really challenging for me. Uh, but as I became more comfortable in my own skin and in more comfortable with the legitimate good intentions of a group of very, very excellent people, I allowed myself to open up more. And I've gotten some of the best insight and some of the best advice. And that has also allowed people to open up more to me and allow me to uh, really help them make their businesses and their personal lives uh, better. So I think peer groups are are amazingly important and amazingly uh, powerful if you just allow yourself to lean in and be exposed and be vulnerable. Uh, and I think that's the key. That's the key is to, is to go in and, and be vulnerable. Jeff, I want to talk a little bit about uh, mergers and acquisitions because I know that you get involved in helping companies with both uh, mergers and the buying and selling of businesses. What what trends are, are you seeing in the last year or so in terms of companies either coming together or, or buying and selling uh, of, of small businesses? What trends are you seeing? And, and also, what advice maybe would you give to a business owner who's considering either buying or selling a business? So, uh, you know, the first six months of 2020 was a dearth of M&A activity. Uh, it, was, it was very slow as people held their breath waiting to find out what was going to happen. And as we hit Q3, and certainly in Q4, there was a, there was a lot of activity as people began to feel like the world was not going to end and that, and that we were just going to continue on. So there was a motivation on the side of buyers to find and to kind of take off the table, frankly, smaller co- companies that were, that were just tired. You know, there was really a presence of business operators that were just tired. You know, they'd been kicked in the stomach by COVID. And maybe they had uh, felt at the beginning of 2020 like they were going to hold out for the best price because the M&A market was really frothy at the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020. But then, you know, all the air was sucked out of the room by COVID. And a lot of these business owners are just tired. So there was a coming together of supply and demand as the business owners were looking at how long they would have to continue operating their business in a challenging environment. And they had a a willing buyer and they were prepared to just take some money off the table and move on with their lives. So we had a lot of activity at the end of 2020 in kind of that regard. There was a lot of activity on the, on the more proactive side uh, in the tech space as more and more business trends towards remote work and acquisitive buyers that had war chests of money were very aggressive in buying businesses that would add to their ability to support remote work or uh, you know, Zoom or you know, things like that. There was a lot, of, uh, a lot of acquisitive activity in that space. 2021 has continued the trend with healthy businesses being on, you know, on, a, on a very acquisitive track. And businesses that survived 2020 
have had an opportunity now to look at their prospects for 2021 and beyond and make some decisions about how much longer they want to stay in stay in play. I mean, so if you think about, you know, the, the way that businesses are priced, particularly at the smaller business end, it tends to be, uh, you know, a multiple of kind of trailing 12-month uh, EBITDA for three years. You know, a three-year average of 12-month EBITDA trailing 12. Well, if you have a really, really, really bad 2020 as a result of, of a COVID event, it's going to be 2024 before you're completely recovered from that. And that bad year has washed itself out. There are a lot of business owners that, uh, particularly in the boomer generation, that frankly just don't have the patience or the desire to keep doing it until 2024. So, uh, you know, the bad year has motivated a lot of people to, you know, to just want to go ahead and move on and retire. And we're going to see a lot of that activity in 2021 and 2022. Jeff, for the company that is acquiring another company, in your experience, when what are some strategies that have made for, this is a good idea to, to make an acquisition, uh, and these are the reasons why, and then on the flip side, where are the red flags and potential consequences in making a bad acquisition? Well, a good acquisition you know, is always one that fits with your five and 10 year strategic plan. Uh, you know, if it's, if, if, if you're buying someone that adds to your core competency, supports your, uh, your business model, then as long as you don't pay too much for it, then, you know, it, it, it can be really, really good. Uh, the bad acquisitions tend to be the ones that are more price driven. And those are the ones that you see, you know, someone buying because it's a bargain and, then either dismantling the business or merging in just a customer list and firing all of the employees and the staff, you know, but the good buying decisions are always strategically motivated to fit in with your five and 10 year business plan. Friends, you're listening to the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. Our guest today is Jeff Cunningham, one of Atlanta's best attorneys for small businesses. And Jeff, we really enjoyed our time with you today. Now we're, we're at my favorite point uh, in the podcast, and that's our rapid fire questions. Taylor has a list of rapid fire questions. He's going to try to stump you. I've already told him it's not going to work, but he's going to try nevertheless. Taylor, go ahead. All right. I know this is my dad's favorite. So Jeff, there's a lot of law movies out there in Hollywood. Who is the actor that plays Jeff Cunningham in the law movie? Matthew McConaughey. I had a feeling you're gonna say that. I think there's a resemblance there. I know our listeners can't see you, but on video, there's a slight light resemblance. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as, a, as more of a compliment than you intend. Yeah, exactly, it is. Okay, second question. Atlanta has a lot of great restaurants. What are a couple of your favorites? Ooh, that's a great question. And I'm a, I'm a food guy for barbecue, which is a, you know, is a favorite of mine. And this is not fine dining, but this is just really good uh-huh. cue. You know, I'm going to say greater good barbecue in Buckhead or Fox brothers, you know, two staples and both fantastic. If you go to greater good, uh, get the deep fried rib. Mm. It's really, really fantastic. Don't get more than one. Um, and for, uh, fine dining, I would say, 
Babette's is really good in Inman Park for French food. Excellent. Most of our listeners probably don't know this, but I just moved from Kansas City to Atlanta. And just hearing you talk about barbecue makes my mouth water. It's, it's been hard to find good places so far. <laughs> well, you know, Atlanta barbecue is really about the pork and not about the beef. So uh-huh. if you've gotten used to beef, I'm, I'm, I'm not your guy. <laughs> That's okay. I can, I can be diverse. Next question. So uh, you mentioned that you host a number of, of breakfast roundtables and, and groups. Tell us a little bit about a group setting that, that works especially well. So when you're leading a group or you're the, uh, the host, tell us about a tactic that works especially well for you. Uh, when I'm leading a group, I, I really like to uh, get the list in advance and know who's going to be there so that I can uh, be prepared to think about the things that are going to be important to my audience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I try to, I try to make a point of knowing who is in the audience and what they do and what's going to be important to them. And then I steer questions to my panel to try and make it more pithy for my audience. Excellent. A couple more. We'll get that and we'll, we'll wrap it up. Um, tell us about a favorite book or a book that has steered you into the point of your career you are today. That's a great question. And so here's one that you're going to be surprised by. I, I tend to read a lot of business books, but I don't read them for, uh, I don't. I don't get a whole lot of inspiration out of them. The things that inspire me the most are non-business books that cause me to think about something from a completely different perspective. And there's an author that I really, really like. Two authors that I really, really like that have caused me to think about the world and business from a really different perspective. And one is Ken Follett, uh, who wrote Pillars of the Earth. That's one of my favorites. Uh, but another one is a guy named Neil Stevenson who writes uh, kind of cyberpunk sci-fi. And he's a really, really smart writer, a really, really dense writer. And if you can get through his stuff, it will cause you to think about things a different way. It's fantastic. Both great recommendations. All right, Jeff, we'll get you out of here on this. Rumor has it you are a rock star singer. So tell us about what your favorite music or favorite band is. I would say that my guilty pleasure... Uh, is is a, a genre called yacht rock. Uh, you know, late seventies, early eighties, smooth rock. You can you that can is a sing niche, along with this genre if I've ever heard one. <laughs> if you you can you can sing along with every song. You know every word. Uh, it's you know it's it's brain candy for your voice, and it's it's delightful. Excellent, I love it. All right, Taylor, nice job. I'm afraid to tell you that you didn't stump him once. Jeff had great answers for each of your, each of your questions. And, and Taylor, I've got a full page of notes uh, from our, our time with Jeff tonight. He talked about the importance of having a, a proactive attorney, someone who's willing to work with you both as a, as a strategist and also as your attorney and to embrace this idea of, of using an outside general counsel he also talked about that small businesses don't hire law firms, they hire attorneys. And I thought that was an interesting answer that it's not so much about the firm that you're, you're hiring, but who's the individual attorney that you're getting. He also shed some light on what we saw this past year with COVID and its impact on small business and that the fact that some businesses prospered in this past year and some certainly have had a hard time. He talked about COVID fatigue and the impact that's having, particularly on older small business owners, 
and maybe uh, 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 impacting their decisions about their their exit strategy. He also talked about the the value that a peer group brings to small business owners. And Jeff, as he said, has been in a Vistage group for quite a while, and I know brings a lot of value uh, to that that group that he that he's in. So uh, Taylor, a whole ton of great takeaways. Jeff, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. I know some of our listeners will want to reach out to you on a one-to-one basis. What's the easiest way for them to, to contact you? The easiest way to contact me is going to be just send me an email. Uh, it's jeffcunningham at parkerpo.com. But I'm also very receptive to text messages at 404-630-1755. I just gave out my cell phone number to everybody. So, you know, that may be foolhardy, but you know what? That's how my that's how my my clients uh, reach me a lot. Is you know I'm pretty much available all the time, and I try to be very responsive. Taylor, I know you were taking notes as well. What takeaways did you have from from Jeff tonight? Well, I thought he gave some great insights into the mergers and acquisitions, and especially how how COVID has affected that landscape. But really, just with the the passion that he brings to small businesses. Uh, and the values he brings to a discipline that is often very professional. And again, sometimes some uh, attorney is someone that not a small business doesn't want to call. So I think that's a, uh, a really great brand, maybe not intentionally a brand, but a really great brand that he's developing. And I know a lot of, a lot of lucky customers that can rely on him for that. All right. A couple of quick announcements before we finish, Taylor. Uh, any of our listeners that are not already subscribers to the Small Business Matters newsletter, I would encourage them to do that. You can subscribe on our website at smallbusinessmattersonline.com. The most recent book that I've written, The Meeting, is available on Amazon. And I've, had, I've gotten some great feedback from some folks who have read the book and, again, would encourage our listeners to find that book if they're interested Taylor, as you know, we launched the Small Business Matters Bootcamp this past month and uh, having a lot of fun with that group. And our next Small Business Matters launch is coming up. And our guest speaker for that event is Theo Gilbert Jameson, who I've known for a number of years, was with the Ritz-Carlton Hotel and then opened up her own consulting practice, goes around the country talking about customer service, the the Ritz-Carlton way. So a lot of great stuff going on in, in Small Business Matters. I want to encourage our listeners today to rate, review, and subscribe to the Small Business Matters podcast. And I want to finish off, I want to thank each of you for listening to our podcast this evening. It is the only podcast that truly matters to small business. May each of you continue to pursue all that matters. Thank you. Thank you.